You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Sir Walter Raleigh was a famous explorer, and he was someone who really kind of helped to colonize North America. He was also kind of a favorite of uh, Queen Elizabeth. And when Queen Elizabeth was succeeded by King James uh, I, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh, for some reason, kind of fell into disfavor with King James. And for a number of reasons, King James got to a point in his relationship with Sir Walter Raleigh that he demanded Sir Walter Raleigh be beheaded. So when Sir Walter Raleigh arrived at the chopping block, the executioner, kind of as a courtesy to him, kind of advised him on how best to place his head um, on the platform there so that death would be quick. And Sir Walter Raleigh kind of looked at him and said, it matters little how the head lies, my friend, so long as the heart is right. Man, there's a lot of truth to that. Today we're finishing a series we've been in called The Bucket List. My goal was to kind of have this uh, all done by Easter, and we did miss a Sunday due to bad weather, so it kind of just threw my schedule uh, off a bit. And I knew you type A's were out there kind of counting the bucket list things, and so I figured if I stopped at six, I was going to get you know questions, hey, yeah, there were seven, and you only covered six, and we never got the last, so I just, I'm just going to go ahead and, and finish this uh, because of you type A's out there. Again, you're welcome. Um, now again, Sir Walter Raleigh, he kind of really reminds us uh, of a very, very important thing. And that is we really are not fully prepared to live until we are prepared to die. Honestly, many of us every day go to war fighting this battle against physical death. I mean, think of all of the weapons that, you know, are kind of at our disposal. Diet, exercise, doctors, medicine, hospital, vitamins. But we still know deep down inside of us, death one day will ultimately win in this battle. No matter how hard we try to avoid it, no matter what we do to prolong it, one day death will come knocking at all of our doors. I saw a post not too long ago on Facebook, and it said, eat right, exercise daily, and die anyway. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Death is no accident, but it really is an appointment, a divine appointment. And when our appointed time comes, part of that bucket list involves we need to be ready to meet it. And thankfully, again, as we've been looking at Jesus as he's dying upon the cross, as he is going through that agonizing process, he he shows us, he tells us seven things that were on his bucket list. He didn't call it that, but it's what we've been referring to as the bucket list, those things that ought to be on your list, those things that you need to say or do before you die. And Jesus teaches us that there is a way to rightly, correctly die. 
And to hear the very last words Jesus ever spoke while he was physically alive again, we're going to turn to Dr. Luke, uh, who wrote the gospel Luke. Now, it's interesting, Luke is the only gospel writer that records these very last words that Jesus ever spoke. And, And you would expect that, being a doctor, because doctors are usually kind of very intensely interested in death. And so as he kind of investigates the life of Jesus, again, Luke did not uh, ever meet Jesus, but rather he uh, kind of begins to know who Jesus is through interviewing those who walked, those who knew Jesus best. And so as he's investigating the life of Jesus, he wanted to know everything about the death of Jesus. And in his research, he kind of uncovers these very last words. It's not news that Jesus is dying. Crucifixion up to that point had a perfect record. One out of every one people who were crucified died. In fact, death has a perfect record. One out of one people die. I mean, death is at 100%. Always has been, always will be. You die, I die, everybody dies. So death, Jesus' death was not a surprise. But what made his death so stunning was the way he died, the way he approached death, the way he went through death, because death didn't have the final last word with Jesus. Jesus had the final last word with death. And here's a story from Dr. Luke. is found in Luke 23, beginning in verse 44. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land. And again, we talked about that uh, early on. Um, until three in the afternoon. So the, the, the time that it should have been the brightest, it was just absolute penetrating deep darkness upon the earth, but the sun stopped shining. Again, it didn't go behind a cloud. It didn't eclipse. It just kind of, it was out. And I mean, there, you cannot imagine darkness like what they felt there at the cross. And as the curtain of the temple was torn in two, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. It's interesting that none of the New Testament gospel writers are content to simply say Jesus died. They all say his spirit went directly into the hands of God. Jesus doesn't go quietly into the night. He doesn't go out with a whimper. He goes out with a bang. The last thing on his bucket list was to die in the hands of God. And the only way you die in God's hands is with a right heart. And in his last statement, Jesus tells us a few things of how to die rightly, how to die in the hands of God. And I'm going to just get through one of them this morning, but that's good. First thing he did, and probably the best thing he did, was he was connected to the Father's heart. Biggest, best thing that Jesus did in dying and committing his hands into God's, committing his life into God's hands was he died connected to the heart of his father. Can you see those words there in verse 46? Jesus is saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, this is actually a quotation from Psalm 31, verse 5, and it is very, very familiar to any Jews who would have heard Jesus say this because Jewish mothers would teach their children to recite that particular verse every night before they would go to bed. As a matter of fact, before 
Many children, it was one of the first scriptures they would ever learn to memorize. Back in the 18th century, there was a children's prayer. Many of us were familiar with that. It, it was written, and, and many, many parents taught their children uh, to say this prayer at night before they would go to bed. I'm sure there are parents that still do it today. You may remember it. It goes like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. You may not realize it, but that it really is just a modern form of the prayer that Jesus prayed straight from God's word. But there is something different about this particular prayer and the way that Jesus prayed it. Because Jesus prays this in a way that no other Jew before him ever prayed it because of the word that he added at the beginning, Father. There is no record that any Jew prior to Jesus prayed that way until Jesus did. And Jesus wanted the world to know he died connected to the Father's heart. One of the things you may remember that irritated the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders with Jesus was the way he kept referring to God as his Father one of the first words that we kind of ever hear Jesus say was when he was a 12-year-old boy. As a matter of fact, it's the only thing we know Jesus ever said or did uh, when he was a young man. And you may remember there in Luke chapter 2, 49, uh, jo Joseph and Mary, uh, they have been to the uh, temple. They've been there for a feast. They're on their way home and they discover that Jesus is nowhere among the caravan to be found. And so they go back to Jerusalem and they look and they search for their son, Jesus. And they finally go into the temple and there stands Jesus. And he is talking and he's dialoguing with the Pharisees, the religious leaders, 12 years old. And they are marveling at his wisdom. And you remember Mary and Joseph kind of confront him and say, man, you had us scared to death. What's going on here? Where have you been? And Jesus simply replies, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? No one ever talked like that. You know, back in that day, somebody else would say, didn't you know I had to be in the temple? Not Jesus. He says, I had to be in my father's house. And this again was his by and far favorite term for God was father. Now, there are four major relationships that God either has with us or wants to have with us, and that is creator, king, judge, father. And one of these relationships is really fundamental to the other three. See, God is a creator, but he didn't just create us so we would exist. God is king, but he didn't just create us to rule over us. God is judge, but he, he didn't just create us so that he could, you know, judge us and penalize us when we do wrong or reward us when we do right. But God is father. And he created us to love us, that that love would ignite us to love others, to become a part of his family. Because the most important thing about God is not to believe that he exists, 
Most people, most major world religions believe that God exists, something that they describe or someone they describe as God. That's not new to religion. But Christianity is different in that we believe that God exists and we believe that God is a father to his sons and his daughters. There was a math teacher trying to teach her first grade class how to add, so she called on a boy named Brad. And she said, Brad, if you have $2 and you ask your father for $10, how much will you have? And the boy said, $2. Teacher said, well, Brad, that's not correct. You don't know your math. And he said, oh, it is correct. You don't know my father. <laughs> to know whether your heart is right, to know whether your heart is connected to simply ask yourself this question, is God my father? I mean, in our heart of hearts, we know the answer to that. Am I really connected to God the father? Is my heart really connected to his heart? And I'm not gonna stand up here and, and lie to you. There are varying degrees to how I would respond to that question day by day. There are some days I just feel so connected to God. and There are other days I feel disconnected. It's just a part of that journey. It's a part of learning who he is, who I am in him. And some days it goes better than other days. And my guess is that's probably true with most of you. There are days where we just feel so connected to the heart of God and other days we just struggle. Is God my father? I know God is my father. Is my heart connected to him? This past Wednesday, I was at the state capitol and a gentleman who runs a rehabilitation center for troubled youth talked about the effects of fatherlessness. Kids growing up in cultures and homes without a father. And he gave some of the most shocking statistics about children who are raised in homes without a father. He said 70% of inmates in state juvenile detention centers serving long-term sentences were raised in homes without a father. 70%. 72% of juvenile murderers, 60% of rapists come from homes without a father. He said 70% of teenage birth, dropouts, suicides, runaways, juvenile delinquents, child murderers involved children that came from homes without a father. He said the vast majority of people who commit mass shootings and violence involving guns are raised in homes without fathers. There were a lot more grim statistics, but I think you get the point. The other thing he talked about that I found interesting was if you were to do a word study in the Bible on the word fatherlessness, that whenever you found the issue of fatherlessness, the issues of poverty, oppression, and injustice were not too far behind. In other words, when cultures throughout biblical times experienced this epidemic of fatherlessness, there was also an epidemic of poverty, of oppression, and injustice, which quickly followed. Don't believe me? Look around the world today. If you were to go to Venezuela today, you would encounter an epidemic an epidemic of children without fathers. Where are the vast majority of fathers in Venezuela today? 
Sadly, they're off creating more fatherless children. What else do you find in Venezuela today? Extreme poverty, oppression, and injustice. Look at the continent of Africa. Wherever you find children being raised without fathers, poverty, oppression, and social injustice will soon follow. So I believe just as there are consequences when society at large is disconnected from their earthly fathers, there are also spiritual consequences. There are spiritual ramifications when we are disconnected from the heart of our heavenly father. Jesus understood the importance of knowing and being connected to the heart of his father. Jesus had this intimate, passionate connection with his heavenly father. And by that, I mean, he knew the heart of his father. He knew the will. He knew the mind, the emotion, the characteristics, the attributes of his heavenly father. He knew the emotions of his heavenly father. And that's why Jesus was able to use that affectionate term, Abba. And that's what that word in the Greek means, Father. It means Abba. And when he talked about God, he talked about God in very intimate terms. That is my father, my daddy, my papa. Again, none of us are really able to fully live until we are ready to die. And you're not ready to die until you meet God. And you're not ready to meet God until you know him as your father and you do not know him as your father until you become his child and you do not become his child until you are born again into his family and you are not born again into into his family until you receive the free gift of eternal life through his son. Simply put, God becomes your father when you become his child, but you only become his child when you receive his son. When you die, you want to be able to die having that heart connection, that intimate, passionate connection with your heavenly father. If your heart is right, you will be connected to the father's heart, but you can only be connected to the father's heart if he is your father. And he only becomes your father when you receive his son, Jesus Christ. If you want to be calling on God as your father when you die, you must call upon Jesus as your savior first. Second thing is just be committed to the father's hands. You said, father, into your hands. And I'm just going to surmise that. That really is just knowing what is the will of God. What's his plan? What's his purpose for you? And, it, and it's just coming into alignment, coming into agreement, walking that out on a daily basis. God, I know your plans for me. I know your purpose for me in life. I'm going to kind of get into talking about some of that in the, in the weeks to come. Because it was really the only way that I was able to come back here after that three months I was gone. It was because I knew his purpose and plan for me. 
I knew and I had heard other people's plans and purposes for me and my failure and my mistake, but it was his that I needed to know. And it negated everything else. It negated what I thought. It negated what I felt. This is what my heavenly father wants me to do. This is the path he's called me to walk. This is the purpose he's called me to live. I am committed to that into your hands. I commit my spirit. That's the third thing. Jesus committed his spirit. That is the part of you that lives forever. There's going to come a day, as I said, where every one of us are going to die. And part of that death is our spirit is going to leave our bodies. Our bodies are going to go into the ground to await that final resurrection when Jesus comes again. But our spirit never dies. That is a part of us that will live forever somewhere. And part of that beauty of being connected to the Father's heart, of being in relationship with him through the Son, Jesus Christ, is we can know that when we die in this physical body because of our relationship with God, because of our connection to the Father's heart, that we go to be with him immediately in spirit. So this morning, again, it's just that simple question. Are you connected to the heart of the Father? Do you know God as your Father? And maybe the question to that is, is do you know Jesus as your Savior? So let's just stand together as we just are closing this time. Father, again, we just thank you. And Lord, this morning, we just thank you that every heart is open. Every heart is exposed before you. Every heart is revealed before you. And God, we can fool the people standing around us. We can fool the people we live with. We can fool the people that know us best. But we can't fool you because you see and you know our hearts. And this morning, Father, I just ask if there is anybody here this morning that does not know you as Father, if there's anyone here this morning that is not connected to your heart this morning, God, I just pray, Lord, again, gently, without condemnation, that, God, you would just bring conviction to that place, that area of our heart and our lives. And that, God, we thank you, Lord, that you just extend an invitation this morning to come to you, to commit our lives, to commit our hearts, to be able to, again, just come to you as, as Father and thank you for the free gift of salvation that you have given to us, purchased by your Son, that free gift of eternal life. And this morning when we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to you. When we say yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior this morning, we are saying yes to a connection to your heart this morning. And so, Father, I pray if there's any here this morning, as they ask themselves that question, that God, again, you would just move upon their heart, that God, you would, again, show them that it is, it is your kindness, it is your mercy, it is your goodness, it is your love that is moving, that is calling their heart to your heart this morning. God, there's no judgment, there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, there's no shame for our past. Jesus came to take care of all of that. He came to do what we couldn't do so that we could have with you 
is something we don't deserve to have, but that is, Father, that we can have a relationship, a connection, an intimacy with you this morning. So God, this morning, I just pray you'll just align our hearts with your heart. That no matter how we walked in here, how disconnected we walked in here this morning, that you offer us an invitation, the grace, the opportunity to walk out of here completely connected, completely committed, completely surrendered to you. And God, I pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you'll move us, you'll bring us to that place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.